pretty much everyone knows that leadership is important. It's important when it comes to sports teams. It's important in business. Leadership is important in the home. Leadership is important with countries. And so obviously leadership is important in the church. And we could say it's even more important in the church, given the fact that we're talking about people's souls and we're talking about things that will actually matter forever. There are a lot of things in life that matter, but there are those things that will matter forever regarding eternal destinies. And so here at Omaha Bible Church, we don't have any perfect leaders other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the chief shepherd in the Bible, Um, but we do take leadership uh, seriously. And so that's why First Timothy is important to us. That's why Titus is important to us, because we have qualifications that are objective, written down, uh, and we're to choose our leaders based upon the qualifications. And so we have qualifications for elders, which is a term used interchangeably in the Bible. If you're new to the Bible for pastors or shepherds, also used interchangeably for the term overseers. And so we're serious about leadership, again, not to think too highly of ourselves, um, but I'm a member of Omaha Bible Church, and I want there to be good pastors pastoring me, not ones who are unfit, but who are fit. And I want legitimate pastors um, watching over my family because we're not playing games. This isn't a um, uh, trite thing. We're talking about things that will matter forever. So... This is how I feel about it. I uh, I suspect that you do also. We're not talking about things that don't matter or hardly matter. They really, really matter. So two weeks ago, we had Andrew Meyer give his testimony before you, and I asked that you would be praying for him. Uh, Andrew has gone through the ordination process that we have here. So that's our way of looking at 1 Timothy and the qualifications and Titus and the qualifications, uh, and then in a practical way, examining a person. And so Andrew Meyer uh, has successfully, over the course of a number of months, uh, gone through four different components of our examination. And so there's a Bible knowledge component, and you could go ask... There's Andrew right there, by the way. I don't want to do this. Put your hand up so they can see. All right. So I'm going to refer to Andrew quite a bit, and at the end of the service, he'll come up here. But in case you weren't here two weeks ago, I wanted to make sure you knew where he was. I'm sure he appreciates me pointing him out, and I'm sure his wife does too. So... um, He successfully completed the Bible knowledge component, so after the service today, you can go ask him any Bible question. And uh, (laughs) where can I find out about this in the Bible, right? We want him to be a good Bible teacher and helpful. One of the qualifications is to be able to teach sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. You need to know your Bible to do that. Uh, We also have another component in our ordination um, examination time, which would be theological knowledge. And so it's one thing to find things in the Bible, but can you explain what the Bible means by what it says when it comes to Jesus being God and man, when it comes to the Trinity, when it comes to all kinds of things? So there's that, and he's passed that. There's also a component that deals with pastoral ministry, counseling, care for souls. He's been through that and passed that as well. And then there's the final component that has to do with teaching, being able to teach and and articulate things clearly. And uh, I'll just tell you that usually before we start the process, we already have a pretty good idea about that one. Um, But he's gone through that whole thing, praise be to God. And uh, we've been praying for him and his family and lots of you have been as well. And so we do believe it is God's will today to have him come up front at the end of the service. Uh, We will lay hands on him uh, because it symbolizes affirmation. And we will lay hands on him and pray for him, affirming that the Lord has worked in his life, not to make him perfect, 
No one's perfect other, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but by God's grace, uh, God has raised up yet another person to help with our soul care, if you will, here at the church. And I went through all of that because it does two things. Today is meant to encourage Andrew and his family. But it's also meant to encourage you and to encourage me because we want to have pastors who are pastors um, and who are able and capable by God's grace um, because we're, we don't want to be a pretend church. Uh, we don't want to do pretend gospel ministry. We want to do gospel ministry that's not perfect, but, but that is, is, is authentic in light of what the Bible says. And so I think it should encourage you today. At the end of the service, when Andrew comes up front and the other elders come up front, um, I'll ask him questions and he will affirm vows. This is serious. Um, and then I'll turn and ask you all, church members, dear congregation, do you, do you also commit to doing basic biblical things as it would relate to your pastors? And so I'm looking forward to that. It's, a, it's an encouraging time. Um, but between, that, between now and then, I had to choose a passage to preach. What would be a good ordination passage to preach? And I've done this, I don't know how many times now. And so there are lots of them. And so today I chose one of my favorite ones. It's not First Timothy, even though I love First Timothy and what it says about leaders. It's not Titus, even though I love that as well. Um, I chose Second Corinthians 4. So if you have a Bible, please find Second Corinthians 4. And my aim is twofold. My aim is to direct these words to Andrew and his family, yes. But the, my second aim is to direct these texts and words to you. Because it's about gospel ministry. And the Apostle Paul writes Second Corinthians about gospel ministry so as to be clear about what it is and what it isn't. And here at Omaha Bible Church, we need to know and be encouraged about gospel ministry because we are in ministry together. This isn't just a pastor thing. As a matter of fact, Paul, who is a pastor, is writing to a church congregation, helping them. So it goes both ways. And I love this passage because the Apostle Paul is writing from a place of discouragement, of being attacked, being assaulted, being, being undermined. And it's, it's a pretty, I don't want to say pessimistic, maybe it's a realistic look at life in the church. And I think it's good for a younger man like Andrew to be reminded about what gospel ministry actually is all about and what it isn't all about from a seasoned veteran. And I think it's good for all of us to be reminded about what gospel ministry is and what it isn't, whether we're seasoned veterans or we're, we're new to all of this so that we can prepare ourselves, so that we can be thinking rightly about things. Life in the church is very discouraging sometimes. By the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, if you will, takes us by the hand, having been attacked, having been undermined, having been assaulted. And he helps us to remember what it actually is about and what it isn't about so we don't quit. And so we don't become too discouraged and lose sight of what we're actually supposed to be about. One more thing by way of introduction. Lots of new pastors don't like Second Corinthians. It was my least favorite New Testament book for a long time. 
because I was so naive. <laughs> and I've heard this from so many different pastors. Second Corinthians, man, things must have been really tough in the first century. But in my life in ministry, we're not going to have such difficulties. In my life in ministry, I know what the gospel is. I've studied Greek and Hebrew, uh, all this stuff, and systematic theology. I've got a pretty good library. I read a lot of books. Man, I know there's going to be difficulty, but 2 Corinthians, really? <laughs> and then you, enough of you are smirking and laughing and shaking your head. And that's kind of how it is when you, even when you're a new Christian. I just thought if I just tell people the truth about what the Bible says, they're all going to believe it. And Christians are all going to get along. Right? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's like just super naive. But then the longer you're a Christian and the longer you're a pastor, the more Second Corinthians. It's like balm. It's like ointment to your, to your bruised, weary soul. And you think, this is a great book because it's in touch with reality, but you, you don't lose sight of the goal. It's a reminder of where we should have our focus as the church at Corinth or the church in Omaha, whether you're the Apostle Paul or the Corinthian church or it's Andrew Meyer today. I said to my wife this morning, the sermon today is for us. <laughs> and it's for Andrew and his family because a lot of times as Christians, you think this isn't worth it. This is crazy. Well, with that in mind, let's read the text and then we'll work on it point by point. Second Corinthians 4, 1 to 6 says this, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In my notes, I have six marks. So it'll be a six point sermon, if you will. So if you want to know where we're headed, these marks of authentic, genuine, earnest ministry, not perfect ministry. The Lord of the church is perfect, but Paul is not perfect. Newsflash, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, no one is other than the Lord, but this is a perfect plan for ministry. It's a perfect emphasis because it's Holy Spirit inspired. The first mark that we should be reminding ourselves of today, gospel ministry is encouraging. Gospel ministry is encouraging. Verse 1, therefore having this ministry... It's gospel ministry, gospel service by the mercy of God. Here's the main point. We do not lose heart. I like to put it in the positive and I have for years now. We should be heartened. We don't lose heart. There is discouragement. There is, there are downers. 
There are difficulties. We live in a broken world. We're not pretending that bad things don't exist. They actually do. But because of what we do as a church and because of what we do as Christians, because of what we do as pastors, we don't lose heart. We can stay encouraged enough to say, to say I'm not going to quit. I'm not giving up on church. I'm not giving up on Christians. I'm not giving up on any of it. No, we don't lose heart. And he's not just doing just the positive self-talk. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Whatever happens, Pat, don't lose heart. He's not doing that, right? If we actually look at the passage, he says, having this ministry... Well, this ministry, if we go and and tie to the therefore, which is at the beginning of verse 1 in chapter 4, it goes back to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 6, talks about this ministry's new covenant gospel ministry. Chapter 3, verse 9, if you go back up, which we should because of the therefore, in chapter 4, verse 1, 3, 9 says, the ministry of righteousness. And so you see, it gives us the aha moment. Don't lose heart. Because of the ministry entrusted to you. What kind of ministry is that? It's gospel ministry, which tells us that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of the work of Christ alone. That's the ministry we have, new covenant gospel ministry. And then I love it, he even calls it in 3.9, the ministry that brings righteousness, one translation says, or the ESV that I'm preaching from, the ministry of righteousness. So think about this. I want to quit. I want to give up on Christians because I've been burned by too many Christians. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a church member. (laughs) It goes on and on. It's kind of like, oh, more problems? It's kind of like, well, what's for lunch at this point in time? But he says we don't lose heart. Why? We don't lose heart because of what's been given to us. What's been given to us by God's mercy. We didn't even deserve it. But it's grand and it's awesome and it's glorious. We have a gospel ministry and it's a ministry. How did he say it again? It's a ministry of righteousness. Well, that that that's amazing. Righteousness is what God requires. It's a legal word. It's a law word. God requires perfect righteousness. He requires that you love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Nobody's ever done that except Jesus Christ. So guess what our ministry is? Our ministry is to tell people what God requires. Yes. No one measures up. But to then tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ loving sinners, not when they get their life cleaned up, loving sinners giving himself up for them, perfectly obeying, loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving his neighbor as himself, then going to the cross to make atonement for all of the violations against that, rising from the dead because he's victorious, ascending as our high priest and mediator. This is it's the gospel. If you can just remind me, and if I can remind you, and if we can remind pastors, when things are difficult, Here's why you don't quit. Here's why you show up another week. Here's why you keep persevering. Here's why you fill in the blank when it comes to hard things. We don't lose heart because we've been given a ministry. What kind of ministry? A ministry that's gospel ministry, good news ministry, a ministry of righteousness that's righteousness of Christ provided so that God will perfectly accept them. This is great. This is, this is why I'm still a pastor. 
This is, this, this is why I want to encourage you to say, all right, no matter what happens. Now, let's, let's not make excuses for our mistakes. Let's not make excuses for our sins. Let's own them. But in reality, the reason we want to keep doing what we do is because we've been given a ministry. Can't quit on that. In so many ways, my friends, dear church members, Mr. and Mrs. Christian and your children, (laughs) we've got the greatest ministry ever. It's been the greatest to us, and now it comes from us. That it will, it will, it will matter and last forever. A ministry of righteousness, a ministry of gospel ministry, new covenant ministry. To be able to say to somebody, you can know for certain that God will accept you in this life and the next. Well, how, how could that be done? Through the work of the Lord Jesus. Okay, sign me up. So I, I have, it doesn't make a lot of sense maybe to a, to a lot of my friends, but you know, when people say something positive or encouraging and I'm thankful for that, I say, let's do it for another week. <laughs> I mean, let's keep doing it, but you know, life is fragile and hard and difficult, but let's be heartened. Let's be heartened. Let's not lose heart. Righteousness by faith in Christ. I don't want to leave that point, but we better go to number two. Second mark of gospel ministry that we share in, that pastors lead in, gospel ministry is honest. Gospel ministry is honest. Legitimate gospel ministry is anyway. And the Apostle Paul is having people attack him. They've got dishonest ministry, some of them anyway, and they're attacking him for being dishonest. And he's like, all right, hold on a second here. How about verse two? But we have renounced, we've shut down, we've shut off disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning like trickery, deception, manipulation, or to tamper with God's word. What is he saying in other words? Our ministry is honest. And I think God's word there is a synonym for the gospel. When you read all of 2 Corinthians, it's about the gospel. So there, God's word in particular. We shouldn't tamper with any part of God's word. But I think he's talking about the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you know what? We are honest about it. We don't try to make it easier. We don't try to make it harder. We don't try to add to it. We don't try to do any kind of trickery or cunning uh, to win people over, supposedly. We preach Christ. We pray that the Holy Spirit would work. But we preach Christ. We preach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. It's not mysticism. It's not asceticism. It's not any other kind of ism. True gospel ministry is honest. He's going to tell you what's true about the Lord Jesus. Oh, I love you and I want you to believe the truth about the Lord Jesus. But when he's being attacked for not adding to or taking away or somehow improving upon, he's calling that out, if you will, by doing the right thing, he's calling it out as the wrong thing. Everything else is renounced. And it is easier if you're, if you're for the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and you're for the truth about the gospel and you're clear about it, it does have an effect. 
It does have a renouncing kind of effect. If salvation is of the Lord and only of the Lord, you know what? If it's by the Lord and something else that we do, we, we, we by definition are renouncing that. We have to say no to that. So he's for, but he is also against. There's a little, uh, a little booklet by uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous preacher of, oh, I think he died in the mid-80s famous preacher in London. Lots of you have appreciated Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and his preaching. You can find some old audio online. Very motivating and encouraging and standing for the truth. But he wrote a little book called What is an Evangelical? And today we'd say an evangelical is nothing (laughs) because it's kind of lost its meaning. Um, But in the old sense, it's a good word. It comes from evangel, means good news, right? Evangelism. uh, Jesus is the ultimate good one, the ultimate evangel. And so an evangelical is somebody who believes the gospel, who believes the supernatural. At least that's what it used to mean. Somebody who actually believes he was raised from the dead and so on. But Lloyd-Jones makes the point in his book that in order to really be qualified to use the name way back when it was useful, evangelical. You have to be known for what you're for, but you also have to be known for what you're against. By definition, you're a renouncer. (laughs) By definition, Lloyd-Jones would say, if you're for the bodily resurrection of Jesus, you are opposed to those who aren't for it. If you're for Christ's righteousness credited to sinners based upon faith and not something else, you're against other options. And so the apostle Paul, if he's a model for ministry and based upon second Corinthians, he's a model for ministry. We should take heart, be encouraged, but we should also be honest about who Christ is. And if we're honest about who Christ is, we are going to have a renouncing kind of effect. There is going to have to be something negative that goes on if we're actually for positive things. If you're looking for some good audio to listen to today, find Lloyd-Jones on Ephesians 2.1. I think the sermon is called, But God. He's so for the gospel, he's against fakers. And disgraceful, underhanded ways. Perversity. Let's move to a third mark of distinction for gospel ministry for us at Omaha Bible Church, also looking toward affirming Andrew Meyer as an elder today. Gospel ministry is simple. Gospel ministry is simple. We see this in verse 2. If you look there, he says, but... So in contrast with distorting God's word, in contrast with perverting God's word, but by the open statement... That's where I got the idea of simple. But by the open statement of the truth... The truth plainly, the truth about the gospel, the truth about Christ plainly, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So God is watching, and so we're just going to be honest about what the gospel is, uh, and also everyone's conscience. So what are we going to do when we tell people the truth about Jesus? We're going to tell people the truth about Jesus, and we're going to do so in a way that is open. An open statement of the truth, he says in verse 2. And I love that. What are we going to do? We're going to be clear and open about the truth. Here's what happens when you believe in Jesus. This is what the Bible says. Here's what happens if you don't believe in Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. It's clear. It's straightforward. We can 
help you to understand it if you need help. But legitimate gospel ministry is not ministry that's all about the nebulous. It's not all about the subterfuge. That's a fun word. It's not all about the lack of clarity. No, it's about simplicity. The open statement of the truth. You've had conversations with people when you ask them a question and they don't really answer it. And you get the sense they're trying to pull one over on you. They, you get the sense that they're, they're, they're trying to win your vote. You get the sense they don't actually really care. Instead of maybe I care so much, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell it to you straight up. And I'm going to tell it to you in a way that you can understand. It might mean you don't vote for me if we're in that context. But we're not in that context. The simple, clear truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. And we want to keep it straightforward. When it comes to application, as a church at Omaha Bible Church, as we do children's ministry, as we go all the way through nursing home ministry and everything in between, what are we trying to do? We're, we're trying to make the truth clear. We're, we're not trying to sell people something. We're not trying to win them over to some kind of weird novel philosophy. We're trying to help them to understand the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ so clearly that they can understand what they're affirming or what they're rejecting. And at least then they know where they are. At least then maybe by God's grace we know where they are. Clarity. True gospel ministry is not about the hidden secret stuff that only the gurus can understand. It's about the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ that hopefully anyone and everyone can understand. On a practical level in my life, when we're doing Bible teaching and preaching sermons or Bible studies or theology classes, I want to read the text with you. And I want you to read the text and be able to say, I see it. It's right there. Or if it's not clear and it's not true, to say, I don't see it. How in the world did you come up with that conclusion? That's good. That's healthy. That's right. That's a good kind of one another working together kind of stuff. Life in the church. It's not, well, I have more degrees than you do. Just take my word for it. Take it on faith. <laughs> That's underhanded. That's deceptive. No, let, let, let's see it clearly even ourselves. What does he emphasize? Legitimate gospel ministry is clear. An open statement of the truth. And here at Omaha Bible Church, I'm not saying we do it perfectly, but it is an aim and a goal and something I would strive toward and hopefully all of our pastors, but hopefully all of you will be willing to try to help someone understand things, even if they're profound things in a way that anyone who wants to can understand. That's what we're trying to do. Sure, we talk about justification. And then what do we do? Any class I've sat in, any time I, I talk about it, I'm going to say justification. That's where God declares us perfect, even though we're not. 
Uh, that's a legal term. That, 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 that's a, a judicial term. It's legal. It's forensic. Using synonyms saying, you know, that's where in God's court of law, he, as the judge, declares you to be a perfectly obedient person to his law, even though you're not. And how can that be? It's because the Lord Jesus Christ is, and he stands in your place. Anyone who wants to understand that can understand that, generally speaking. You get the idea? We're not trying to say, well, and today what we're going to do is we're talking about the imputation of Christ's righteousness credited to the believer so that we might have sola fide as a soteriological reality for everyone to enjoy in order to uphold ecclesiastical purity. Or something like that. I just said all the same kind of things. And it's okay to try to be academic. And it's okay to try to learn things on different levels. But you know what? We're we're trying to just be straightforward and clear. Because we don't have anything to hide. And little kids can understand the gospel. And people with PhDs can understand maybe more nuances of the gospel. And everything in between. And it's great and glorious. We're, We're trying to be clear. And straightforward. I hate to admit this. I, first of all, I'm going to qualify it. I like apple pie. I've owned at least, at least two Chevrolets in my life. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm patriotic. I love my country. Um, not a big baseball fan. Sorry. <laughs> I blame my parents. <laughs> right? We like to blame other people for everything, so. My dad said, we have a cabin in the summer. We're not doing baseball. See, I got out of it. (sighs) Some time ago, I don't remember how many years ago, but when my two youngest were quite a bit younger um, and we went to the World Series, they'd never been, I don't think, to a real baseball game, uh, but they both wanted to learn how it worked. And I'm not an expert. In less than three minutes, they understood the gist of it because they wanted to. It's not that complicated. If they weren't interested, they might have said, eh, I don't get it. I don't care. Why do I go through all of that? We're, we try to make it simple. Some people are going to say, it's over my head. I don't get it. Maybe it's because they're, they're not interested in learning. Okay, that's fine. But on our watch, if you will, by God's grace as a church, let's be about clarity. Let's seek to be clear by the grace of God. We're not trying to hide anything. Straightforward. The Apostle Paul was not trying to hide anything. In fact, he was trying to make it all straightforward. So everyone's conscience was affected. And before the eyes of God, we got the truth out in a way people could understand it to affirm it or reject it. We'd better move on to the next one. Oh, I have one more illustration. Just this, this week, because of For whatever reason, somebody had sent me some different materials and I listened to one whole sermon that I actually liked. What else do I want to say? I, I was encouraged. But it was interesting. The whole sermon was on the righteousness of God in Christ. I think it was over 45 minutes. So it was short. I'm kidding. But the preacher never defined righteousness. And I thought, I'm so glad you were clear about the gospel. I'm so glad for so many different things. But I thought, and I'm not saying he's a false teacher or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But 
together as a church, Andrew as a preacher, let's work hard at making things clear for people. And if we don't know the answers to the questions, maybe we need to work a little harder. Okay, let's move on. A fourth uh, marker, if you will, and that would be gospel ministry is never broken. It is never broken. How about verse 3? And even if our gospel is veiled, even if it's hidden, even if people are not seeing it, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It is veiled to those who are perishing. Gospel ministry is never broken. Now let's, let's fill that out a little bit. Help me out a little bit in explaining it in your own mind. If it's true gospel ministry, it's never broken, right? There are such things as false gospels. There's perversions of the gospel. There's, you know, all kinds of things like that. But if it's true gospel ministry, the, the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what the gospel is. His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his whole work. And it's good news that he's done this to, to be received by faith. But if we have the true gospel, it's, it's, the gospel's never the problem, in other words. If it doesn't take, it doesn't mean somehow we've got to change the gospel. It's never broken, in other words. You know the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The gospel is never broke. It's never broken. If it's the true gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. And, and if people hear the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and they reject it, it's tragic and it's heartbreaking heart-wrenching, and it makes us sad, and it makes us pray, and it makes us ask God to work. But the problem isn't with the gospel. The problem is there's a spiritual, supernatural veil over the eyes of people's hearts, which is an image that's used to help us to understand you can't see, but it's actually an internal problem. And we have to remember that. And again, I don't want to be so arrogant and so bold as to say, anytime somebody doesn't believe in the gospel, it's their fault, not mine. No, maybe I need to be clearer. Maybe I need to try to explain it another way. I'll do anything necessary and possible, but at the end of the day, we ought not be tinkering with the gospel. But here's the thing, Omaha Bible Church. I I think if we're honest, and maybe you all are better men and women and boys and girls than I am, But along the way, there are opportunities for us to be tempted to tinker with it. Somebody said to me not that long ago, you know what, you guys just don't do a good enough job making Jesus appealing. I I mean, whatever I can do, I mean, I get it. I could work out more. I, mean, I, I could be nicer. I, I, I want, I want to be a better person and I want to make Jesus appealing and I, and I want to be a better husband and a friend and a dad and on all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, if we're preaching the great news about the Lord Jesus Christ and that if you trust in Him, you will have eternal life and God will rescue you and, and God, though you die, you will live as sure as He was raised from the dead, you'll be raised from the dead. And I, I want to be good at explaining that in, in different ways. And, and even when I can't get through to people, I ask that God would put other Christians in people's lives because maybe I really am a problem. 
But we have to know that ultimately there's a spiritual issue going on and people don't reject the gospel because the gospel needs fixing. It's the power of God unto salvation. In 1 Corinthians, Paul has to address this matter with the Corinthians because they want Paul to change the message because they think they can reach more people in their community. And he says to them, I'm paraphrasing, look at your own life. How did you get saved? You got gloriously, wonderfully, magnificently saved through the old, old story, if you will. You want me to change it? The problem isn't with the gospel. The gospel is never broken. It does say in verse 4, in their case, the God of this world, so a reference to satanic influences, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The gospel isn't the problem, but it is a spiritual problem. So as we do ministry, we need to make sure we know what the gospel is. We can always do better and be being clearer and understand the depth and the riches. I mean, the book of Romans is all about the gospel. So there, there, there's a lot of depth that we can understand, but we, we, we can work on that. True, yes. But as we do ministry as a church, Christian gospel ministry, we got to own it and have it own us and keep offering it to people, even though we might be tempted to do something else because we might draw a bigger crowd. Let's not be gospel improvers. Okay, let's move on. We'll do five and six. Another mark, another marker of authentic, genuine, legitimate gospel ministry. Pastors need to know this. Christians need to know this. And that is that gospel ministry is selfless. Gospel ministry is selfless. And I mean something in particular by that because of verse five. If you look there with me at verse five, I think you'll be encouraged. The apostle Paul in the in the face of his attackers, his critics, his underminers, he says, for what we, contrary to them, no doubt in this context, for what we proclaim, what does he say? Is not ourselves. It's not about us. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of what he's pushing back against here would be people who profess to be Christians. Well, I doubt they're just uh, at this point in time in this book of the Bible, this letter, they're, they're saying, well, we're atheists. We don't like Jesus. We don't like church. We don't like pastors. We don't like Bibles. It's not the sense you get from the letter of second Corinthians. So it probably isn't this outright Me, 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 me. It's somehow cloaked in Jesus talk, Christianese, Christian talk, church kind of talk. But really what is happening is they're promoting themselves. And he's saying, we don't preach ourselves. For, for we pro, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. You know what we do when we preach? We, we, it's, it's, it's about Jesus. And it's not about us. 
And it's not about how I do this and how I do that. And if you just learn this from me, even the Apostle Paul, he's an apostle. It's about Christ and it's about him and it's about, what does it say there? It says in verse 5, Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. We're helping you, we're serving you, but we preach Jesus the Messiah as Lord. He's over all. He's everything. He, he, the Lord word is used for, he's the sovereign king. He's the one you need. He meets your needs. He protects you as sovereigns do. He provides for your needs as sovereigns do. He is loyal and faithful because he's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who you should be looking to. So when the apostle Paul preaches, ultimately he's not saying, I do this and I follow biblical principles to do it even. You know what? It's Christ, 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 Christ. He's the one you need. He's the one you must look to. He's the hero of every narrative ultimately. Not me. Sometimes I even think we get to the place in evangelicalism where if you ask someone, do you think the apostle Paul was a sinner? They don't know what to say. I know what he would say. I'm chief of sinners because that's what he said. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a broken record. His ministry. You need Christ. You need Christ's righteousness. You need Christ's forgiveness. You need Christ's love. Let me point you to Christ. He doesn't preach himself. And it's for his sake. It's for his honor. It's for his glory. It may have also been that he, there, I, I don't know this for sure, commentators are split, but that he, he preached Christ in such a way that they accuse him of being arrogant. We could for sure see that in other texts. He's so bold that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by Him. That you can have assurance if you trust in Jesus. That you can clearly understand what it means to be justified freely by grace through faith. And He doesn't tolerate any other ways. Man, this guy is an egomaniac. But stop and think in terms of if it's all really true. It would be arrogance to say it's not true. He's an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ commissioned by him. What are you going to tell people? <laughs> that you might be forgiven? <laughs> And so with boldness, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Him. What a great thing to say. Well, finally, we better wrap this up. A sixth marker of authentic gospel ministry, whether you're a leader or a non-leader, gospel ministry is the greatest. It is the greatest. I hope you can feel this crescendo, if you will, as we look at the last verse, verse 6. In verse 6, it says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness. The God who, who did that, the, the one true and living God, the all-powerful God, the God who speaks things into being, that God. The God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. 
has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Whatever that means, it's a crescendo. (laughs) Whatever that means, it's the greatest thing imaginable. Right? He's using glory of God talk, extraordinary power of God talk. Where do we go to tap into the power? Where do we, think of false teachers. Where do we go to get, to get better enlightenment and all of the kind of trigger words that people use? Power and light and enlightenment. And where do we go to get all of that? And he makes it real simple. You go to the very face of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a way of making it simple. You go to Jesus. That's where you go. So why in the world would we try to proclaim something else? Why in the world would preachers try to make it be about something else? Why in the world would we lose heart if we're called to this great mercy and honor to be able to preach Christ so that people can know God? That's what he's getting at. This is New Covenant talk based upon chapter 3, verse 6. It's climactic talk. Hebrews 1, 3. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. We've been in Exodus lately. Chapter 3, verse 7. The Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. Well, that was in chapter 3 of our text. And now in chapter 4, you know what? You know what's a lot more impressive than an awesome, significant, historic mediator figure whose name is Moses? The ultimate Moses. The radiance of the very glory of God. So there's nothing better to offer people. Nothing better to offer people than Jesus because He's the one. (laughs) He's the one. nothing better. It's no wonder that in 1 Corinthians, we see the same convictions, but kind of carried out in a different way. When the Apostle Paul early on in 1 Corinthians says, I resolved, I determined, I drove my nail in that board and I drove it in all the way so it could never come out. I tied that knot so it couldn't be untied. I planted my feet in concrete or whatever other better image you can come up with. I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh, gospel. Same thing. Same thing. I think it's in the book of Job that says, as sure as sparks fly upward, man is born for trouble. Have a nice day. (laughs) Right? Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Oh, that doesn't look very good on a plaque. And then you read 2 Corinthians, and you read 1 Corinthians, and you think, why didn't they tell me about this before? But see, 
The beauty of 2 Corinthians is we don't need to lose heart. We need to be clear and we need to be sober-minded and we need to have our eyes wide open and we need to be, be discerning, but we don't have to lose heart. And so no matter what the email is or no matter what the blog post is or no matter what the text says, if it's right, that's one thing. But it ought not distract us from authentic, clear, bold, eternally mattering, and on the list could go, gospel ministry. Whether we're pastors or whether we're Christians. So may God help us to be resolved. May God help us to acknowledge fault where there's fault. Be heartened in authentic gospel ministry that gives sinners righteousness. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for a great passage like this. Please use it in my life. Please use it in the life of Andrew Meyer. Please use it in the life of other pastors who are here or listening. But even most importantly, use it in each of our lives as Christians. And use it in our life as a local congregation many faults and many weaknesses, but we know that the Lord Jesus Christ has the words of eternal life. And so may we never tire of pointing people toward Him until we see Him and are made like Him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.